Well, uh, we begin today uh, a four-part uh, series on uh, sacrificial service. And uh, I wanted to start out with kind of an announcement type thing. Uh, last week, uh, some of you already know this, last week, uh, it was pretty cold last week. I don't know if you remember, it's not that cold today, but uh, last week it was pretty cold. And the heater uh, broke for that wing over there, that wing of classrooms over there, uh, the nursery, uh, the twos and threes and fours and fives, the little kids right there. And, uh, you know, we didn't have it in the budget to replace the heater. So, so we decided they're just going to go without. And we're going to take a congregational vote this morning uh, uh, to decide uh, who's in fa- who's in favor of that, who's in favor of that idea of the kids just going without, and if you if you're in favor of the kids, the little babies going without heat, uh, I'd like you to stand right now. I'd like you to stand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not true. That all, all that's not true. Uh, it did break, uh, but you, I don't know if we have faith healers or whatever here at this church, but. Uh, our, our men, our guys that we, we put on these things. Some of you say, well, who should fix that? Who should fix that? And some of you know who should fix it because other people shouldn't fix it because they don't know what they're doing when they open those things. But our guys who are on it, Rick and Russ, they go over there and they open it up, they look at it, and it starts working. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, that does not to say that's not to say that it won't break again. In fact, I would bet it will break again uh, because it's as old as this building here, and so it's been around for a while. But what happens when stuff like that happens? Uh, what if uh, we need? Uh, what if I, I came to you this morning and said I need seven thousand dollars to replace that heater? Uh, who should pay that? Who should be the one to say uh, I got it? I got it. Let me write you a check. Some of you don't know how to write checks anymore because you need your computer around to figure out how to get money from your bank to somebody else. But you say, I, I got it. I got it. Some of you are saying right now, I don't have $7,000. I was just making that number up. I don't know if it would cost that much. Maybe it would. Maybe it wouldn't. You say, well, I, I, shouldn't you, don't we have a fund somewhere? You know? Uh, there, there's somebody that should pay for that. There, isn't there, you know, don't you have monies for that sort of thing? Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but what happens? Uh, when, when you think about that, you think about who should fix it. You think about who should pay for it. Um, may, maybe some of you have wondered, um, who should teach over there? Uh, who should uh, teach the twos and threes? Who should teach these uh, fours and fives? Who should change diapers? Who should change diapers? Who should empty the the diaper pail after the diapers have been changed? Uh, Who should do these things? How should that happen? How should that happen? Um, I I think so often uh, we struggle in a church to, especially the larger the church becomes, the less we can connect the dots. We, we, we maybe walk around the church or we look in the bulletin and, and we say, you know what should happen around here? We should have a group for this. Somebody should have a Bible study for this. Uh, maybe you walk around and you see things that are 
undone and uh, and maybe you see leaves out there and you say, somebody should get these leaves. Uh, maybe, not now, but like in the spring, you'll come out here and you'll see weeds. And you'll say, somebody should get these weeds. Uh, and, and you look around and you, you, you see things and you say, somebody should do these things. And uh, I want to encourage you, this month is all about uh, you finding your place as one of the somebodies of Bear Valley Church. I realize that some of you are, are just checking us out. You've kind of been in and out. And, and that's fine. We love it. We love to meet new people. But as we talk as a family this month, uh, we're going to talk about you becoming one of the somebodies uh, that serves here in this place. Um. It's sacrificial service that we're talking about here. Um, I, I want I want you to remember that this will not fit into your schedule. It won't. It won't. Um, if you're looking for giving uh, when it comes to the finances that God's entrusted to you, if you look at your finances and you say, where's the extra that I could give to the Lord? Uh, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. Uh, most of us are on the complete opposite of that. We never find any extra. Uh, the only thing uh, we find extra is the extra things that I want to buy that I haven't bought yet. When you look at your schedule, uh, so what did you do last week? And you go, I don't know. I don't know what I did last week. I just know that it's gone. Uh, and that's the reality for all of us is that we spent last week. We spent it. It's gone. And there was no extra. There was no sense of like, hey, I got a few spare of this, a spare of that. Um, it wasn't spare. Uh, it was spent someplace. Um, and so as we look at this, we're looking to talk about service, service that is sacrificial. It will cost you something. This morning, uh, we're just starting with these entry points, these beginning points, and I want to encourage you to stay tuned next week uh, because Pastor Brandon's going to come uh, and bring his perspective on sacrificial service. And then uh, I'm going to preach again uh, the third uh, Sunday of January. And then Pastor Mike is going to come and talk about the purpose and rewards of sacrificial service. And so I want you to come. I want you to be... Uh, I'm not... Most of you know... Uh, Bear Valley Church is not a church about education. We're not a church about education. We're not educators here. We're, we're interested in being transformed, being changed. And so uh, I want to encourage you to stay tuned uh, this month as we consider sacrificial service. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. <coughs> I have a bit of a cough today. Sorry. Nobody else has one, right? Yeah. Yeah, just spending time with family and snotty nose kids inside and stuff like that. It tends to happen. I have four points for you this morning. And the first point is that Jesus was a sacrificial servant. Jesus was a sacrificial servant. And just saying that, um, it should knock us to the floor. Uh, we've just celebrated the birth of Christ, uh, that the King has come, the Savior, the Messiah, 
And the, the picture that he, being the one uh, that was the king of kings, the, the special son, the, the, the special son of God, that he was a sacrificial servant. It, it should blow our minds. It should cause us to, to pause. It should cause us to say, wait, that shouldn't be. Um, and yet he was. In Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 5, it speaks of him being the one to empty himself, to empty himself, to, to lay down that which was his, to set aside that which is right. I, I look at that and I, I think at the heart of being a sacrificial servant is for you to not say in your mind and in your heart uh, and in your mouth as well, but to say, I'm above this. I'm better than this. I shouldn't be the one to serve. And you listen to this and you hear what Jesus did in Philippians chapter 2 at verse 5. And it's connected real closely with our own attitudes. He's connecting. Uh, Paul, as he writes to the Philippian church, he's saying, you need to connect this with your own attitude towards service. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. What you get here is this, that he did not cease to be king, he did not cease to be who he was, but rather he set that aside and took on the form of a servant. He, he took the place of a servant. You may be a very important person to many, but to take on the, the place of a servant, to see yourself as one who serves. Um, we struggle with this because I remember growing up and um, I grew up in a middle class uh, home in Santa Barbara, which may be a little higher than middle class, various other places, but nonetheless, middle class. In fact, um, my, my father worked on very expensive homes in Santa Barbara, and so I knew very affluent people, and I went to school with them. My dad built their homes, and so I got this weird, hey, your dad works for me, basically. Um, and and I, I dreamed of a home. I dreamed of a home, a, a huge home, a beautiful home with servants. Are you with me? Doesn't that sound good? You know, the home's nice and everything, but the idea of having servants, now that's where it's at. And you get this picture that Jesus, in all his deity, and all him being the king of kings, it says he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And what kind of servant? Not just a servant that would help you and bring you coffee or fix your meals or this or that. But he humbled himself. Not just setting it aside for something minor, but became obedient to the point of death. 
even death on a cross. Jesus was a sacrificial servant. As he humbled himself, as he emptied himself, uh, it, you can turn over to First Peter chapter three. <coughs> we see also that the sacrificial service included suffering. Uh, that was the cost of it. it. As you think about the idea of serving, some of us might say, we'll serve if it doesn't cost us anything. Uh, when when someone asks us to do something, we say, I'll, I'll see if it fits into my schedule. I'll see if I'm going to be around. I, I'll see if uh, uh, this, you know, I can do all the things that I want to do, including this. But Jesus, as you see him being this model of sacrificial service, in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18, it says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. As you get this picture, that Jesus in His service of us, in Him doing the deed that brought salvation to many, is that He paid the price. He suffered for doing that. He said, this is the plan and I will pay the price to get it done. And and that's what sacrificial service is. It's saying, I'm willing to do it no matter what the cost. I will I will pay the cost. It's not that you don't know the cost. It's not that you go, oh, forget about it. It doesn't cost anything. No, it does cost. And knowing the cost, you say, I'll pay it. I will uh, continue to suffer. I'll continue to obey while suffering. Jesus also gave up comforts, just mere comforts. In Matthew uh, chapter 8, it it says Jesus was talking and he was explaining the, the cost of following him. And he says, foxes have holes and the birds have air. Birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You, you watch through the Gospels. Jesus gave up personal comfort that he might go and tell people. Go and teach them. Go and, and do miracles and, and, and give himself. Why? This was part of what he was doing. To be a sacrificial servant. He gave up comforts. And I want to say this. He gave up comforts for people. For people. I, I, I want you to connect the dots. Uh, when, when, when we do anything around here, anything... Uh, we should connect the dots to the people that God wants us to minister to. Uh, these carpets right here. You know why these carpets exist? For the people. For the people. Uh, you, you know why we have a heater for those? Because there's little babies in there. There's little babies. And I want to say it this way. The little babies don't matter that much right now. But the moms do. Okay? And so we care about those moms. And, and, and we're connecting all this together. We're saying, we are ministering to people. 
We're not doing programs or buildings or carpet or furnaces or parking lots or roofs or or electricity. We're not doing any of those things. Those things are for the people that God wants us to minister to right here. And Jesus gave up comforts. He, he, He allowed himself not to have a home but that he would float around, lay wherever, do, do whatever. Why? Because of the people he desired to be with and teach. And lastly, I just want to remind you with Jesus being this sacrificial servants, servant, he did this to accomplish the will of God, which includes saving my worthless soul. Uh, you remember in the garden in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus talked about the plan. Uh, he was praying to the Father. He says, not my will be done, but yours. Your will is the one that, that matters most. And as he looked to the cross of giving his life, he says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll give my life. That the will of God might go forth. Give my life. As we consider why we should serve, uh, the question should be, what does God want me to do? I think uh, so often we want to fit, we want to manipulate the outcome. We'd say, well, well, God... God won't want me to do this, so I'll uh, say, well, I can't do this because of this, 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 and this, and this. Okay, good. I'm in a safe place where I can do what I want to do. Jesus was uh, submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. The will of the Father. He was a sacrificial servant in, in saying, Father, your will be done. Your will is what drives me. And that's why he was a sacrificial servant, because it cost. And he served the will of the Father. So Jesus was a sacrificial servant. (coughs) Excuse me. Point number two. uh, Jesus' sacrificial service bought the church bought the church, paid the price. And and I want to talk about that in two different ways. The individual as well as the group. As we look at the individual in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 17, it says this, And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. In First Peter, the, the passage I just read once again, connecting it with the way that we would live, he says, you were ransomed. You were bought. You were uh, freed from your slavery. You were taken away from that. And it says the feudal life. 
I lost my place. The ransom from the wait, the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. I, I look at that and I go, um, you know, most of us are pretty proud of our heritage. And yet, uh, apart from Christ, the heritage that is passed down to us, there might be some good things, but the whole system of it, apart from Christ, guess what? It's futile. And they knew it in those days as well, that it was passed down, that we do things a certain way. Unfortunately, they're the wrong way. And they're characterized in this passage as futile. Futile. Jesus saved us individually, personally, from that kind of life, that we would be just as our ancestors were trying to work our way, trying to feel good about ourselves, trying to find our fulfillment in sin and just not working. But we were, uh, we were ransomed, not with silver or gold, not with money. Money can't buy everything. With the precious blood of Christ. Precious blood of Christ. That He would be the one that, that His sacrificial service was what was the payment that I would be individually saved. I was bought by him. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, for many, uh, a very familiar passage, speaking to husbands in the husband-wife relationship. And in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 25, it says this, and he speaks of this salvation as being corporate, as being as a whole, as us being the church together, that he did something for us. He says this, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. <coughs> As you see in this passage, that Jesus was the one who did the work that the church might be holy. That he bought the church and he did the work. I mean, we were fixer-uppers, right? As a whole, we, we there's a lot of work to be done. It wasn't just simply that he bought us, but that he bought us in such a way where he did all the work. It, it needed a little TLC, right? And, and we as a church needed some work and he did that. Why? Because he bought us, because he purchased us, because he owns us. Because of Jesus. It was his sacrificial service that brought us to this place. (coughs) Point number three. Jesus saved you to be a willing slave. Jesus saved you to be a willing slave. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, 
eternal life. I want you to get this picture that we were enslaved to sin. We were enslaved to sin. Uh, we could we could all give testimony to that. We knew about the sins that we had. We knew that we couldn't get out. We knew that we needed a, a free freeing payment, that ransom to be loosed from the, the bonds that were on us. We were freed from that. For what? To become slaves of God. It's not that we now become a free agent and we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter. We just serve ourselves and we can just do whatever we want because Jesus has saved us. No, we go from being a, a, a slave in chains to now becoming a willing slave of God. A willing slave to see yourself as that. I, I changed the word here. And in the, uh, in the New Testament, we go back and forth. Uh, interpreting the same word, either slave or servant. Which one do you like better? Slave or servant, which one do you like better? Servant sounds a lot nicer, doesn't it? At least we can be a butler, right? Uh, sounds like some dignity. Slave just sounds bad. It, it all, you know, you know what it depends on? Who the master is. It really depends on who the master is. Because there's a sense of family to some slaves and in their relationship to their master. They're considered as one of the family. And as you look at salvation, the book of Galatians especially goes over this and over this in Romans as well. Uh, that, that this idea that we've come out of this slavery relationship to now this family relationship. And not just a family relationship of adoption, but heir. That we receive uh, the benefits of the king. But Jesus saved you to be a willing slave. If you look uh, over at Romans chapter 14, uh, verses 17 through 19, God's word says this, for, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and the mutual upbuilding. And in those verses, you see this one thing. It's good to be a servant. It's good. It's good to be that one who serves God and serving one another and this mutual upbuilding. Uh, many times we struggle with church. Uh, and if you struggle with church, uh, you're not alone. I struggle with church. My wife struggles with church. My kids definitely struggle with church, okay? We struggle with the idea of it, but know this, know this. In our imperfection, in our imperfection, Jesus wants us. He saved us that we would be a willing servant of one another. This is why he saved us. And, and I want to tell you, that will not fit in your schedule. And if it does, it's probably not the place he wants you to serve, he wants us to follow Christ in this. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. Short point. I know we're, I don't have a clue when we're supposed to end, but that's good. Um, last point is this. Jesus' slaves are with us here today. Right here. These, these are the slaves of Bear Valley Church. Right here. If you want to look at them, just look to your right. Or your, most of you want to put your head down right now. You know, Okay. 
This is what we got. This is what we have. If you're wondering who somebody is, right here. You say, oh, they're probably in second service. Right? Right? Probably in second service. They might be. Second service will think they're in first service. You know, uh, they already show you. They're, you know. Um, Romans chapter 12. Starting in verse 3. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. First thing to remember, you're not important here. Okay? It's not that you're not important here, but you're not important here. Okay? It's, it, so most of the time we look and say, well, you know, Who's the tallest? Who's the shortest? Who's the smartest? Who's the best looking? Who has the longest hair? And all that, all that other stuff. We, we look side to side and we're trying to find where we fit. And, and, and as Paul writes to the Roman church, he says, set all that stuff aside. Don't think of yourself as more highly than you ought to think. But think... Uh, <coughs> I did that. Uh but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then he says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in the proportion of our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The picture there is this. Hey, we all have a job. We all have a job. We're all members. We're all connected. We're working in the same company. We're working in the same family. Each of us has a position. And I want to tell you this. That if Bear Valley is your church, you have a position here. And right now, we're limping along if you're not doing it. We're limping along. Somebody else is, is uh, exhausting themselves to fill your role. We should, we should never... See, this is the unique thing. God, why are you here this morning? You're here because God has brought you here. Why are you in this body? Because God has placed you here. And he has somehow gifted you and given you resources. And we're, we're going to talk about these things. He has given you this so that he can do his work here at Bear Valley Church. And when I say do his work here at Bear Valley Church, I'm talking about here, out there. Right? It's not just here. It's, it's out there. It's where you work. It's, it's in our community. It's in our town. It's, it, it's in Southeast Asia as the Boyds head over there. This, these are the, this is what God is doing. And you say, well, uh, you know, I've heard of some foundation or some fund or some group. Forget all those things. God wants to use us right here. And you say, wouldn't it be great if so-and-so was a part of our church? Yeah, it would, but they're not here. And God hasn't sent them here yet. And so until he has, we are called to do this. We are called to do his work right here. And we all play a part. Uh, I want you to be thinking about what is your part? What is your place? What were the things that he wants you to do? Giving, teaching, serving, acts of mercy. These are the things that... (laughs) 
he wants to do. And, and I want us to, to quit thinking in terms of somebody should do this. But as we see things and as we see needs, that we just go and meet them, knowing that God has given us eyes. God has uh, allowed us to see and that we're just following our Savior, knowing that He was the original sacrificial servant. Let me pray for us. God, thank You for this morning. Uh, thank You for the blessing of being in Your Word. And I thank You for this great church that You've allowed us to uh, gather here in this place. <coughs> God, um, we struggle in many ways with selfishness and pride. And, and God, I ask that you would uh, use this time as we look to your word, that we would be refreshed and realigned, that we would be challenged and broken in the areas that you want to change us. Transform us by your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask that the men come forward who are going to uh, serve communion this morning. And... Uh, I want you to know that communion is the picture of the, the ultimate picture of the sacrificial service that Jesus did for us. He gave himself for us. That he suffered in the flesh knowing that that would pay the penalty for us. I want to encourage you in the moments that we have prior to that to just spend some time with the Lord reflecting on what he has done on your behalf, that you are saved not because of your own works, but because of his sacrificial service for you. <clears throat> if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ here today, I'd encourage you uh, to just think about what your, your needs before. Think about your sins. And how are you going to pay for these sins apart from what Jesus has done? I want to encourage you to submit your life to him today. And he will save you. He will take your worthless life just like he has taken mine. And he'll save you and he'll make you uh, something worthwhile. And it's not that we are, but that being a part of his church, that he gives us an opportunity to be a part of his magnificent plan. Remember the Lord. That's what we're called to do this morning. Pass the cup and, or pass the bread and then we will all partake together as we remember the Lord.
Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he was with his disciples. He took the bread and broke it. After giving thanks, he explained to them that this was his body broken for them. We do this remembering the body of our Lord. In a similar way, Jesus also took the cup and he explained to them this was the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. We do this this morning remembering the blood of our Lord that was spilled on our behalf. 
Father God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. That it was your will that your son Jesus followed when he went to the cross. That it was part of your plan to um, give your son that we might live. God, help us to live in light of that this week. Help us to be mindful that you granted us worth inside the cross. That you deemed us of something of value when we were not something of value. God, thank you for the gift of your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you leave today, um, take an offering, a benevolent offering. I'd encourage you to be generous. We have great needs in this new coming year. Uh, (coughs) And uh, we are the ones to meet those. Uh, There's nobody out there. Uh, First service is going to be a little shaky today, I'm sure, convinced of it. So second service is where... Uh, we, we trust that uh, you guys will be there. I'm going to say the same thing to the second service as well. Have a great week. Uh, start for, for you parents who are sending your kids off to school. Remember to pray for them. Remember to pray for them. You are dismissed.